Hello fellow gamers and welcome back to episode 17 of Gamer's Guide to Ecology. I'm your host, Jesse D, an open world RPG gamer with a master's degree in ecology and evolution. I like to play popular open world RPGs from an ecological perspective. This month I'm playing The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, and on today's episode I'll be talking about the ecology of the game, including the behavior of some of its monsters and non-magical beasts and other animals. At the end of the episode, I've got some gripes sent in by fans and fellow gamers, so stay tuned. This month I'm playing The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, published on PlayStation, Xbox, Windows, and most recently on Nintendo Switch, in 2015 by CD Projekt Red. The Witcher franchise has garnered a cult following over the last two decades. Originally a book series by Andrzej Sapkowski, the characters have been adapted for a video game series and now a Netflix original series. The third installment of this video game series is a true open-world RPG, where the player gets to choose responses and those choices have direct consequences. I haven't played the previous Witcher games, and I came to this game completely new to the Witcher series. Actually, to prepare for this month's game, I binged both seasons of The Witcher on Netflix a few weekends ago, and I have to admit that I'm entirely hooked. It's one of those fantasy worlds like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings that captivates us and sucks us in. Circling back though, the Witcher games take place long after the events of the books and TV series, so you don't have to worry about spoiling anything by playing it. In fact, the books and show are pretty helpful to understand what's happening and who the characters are in the game. So I'd recommend at least watching the show and reading the first book called The Last Wish. The game follows Geralt of Rivia, a genetically modified human fighter that hunts monsters for a living, as he travels across a medieval landscape, taking on bounties and earning coin. Geralt is a witcher, a professional monster hunter, and the game gives you a bit of background on why witchers exist in the first place. Basically, the veil between this world and a parallel world full of monsters was broken and monsters now inhabit this world. The witchers were created to hunt those monsters. They were made up of kidnapped or abandoned children raised to fight and were mutated to be faster or stronger than normal humans. What I love about this game is that witchers use ecology and behavior to figure out what monster they're hunting. Once Geralt knows what he's up against, you can craft oils and potions and use specific magic and weapons to fight them. The creation of oils and potions, as well as the creation or repair of weapons and armor, make up the crafting aspect of this game. You can buy ingredients from shopkeepers or harvest them by picking plants or killing monsters or animals. Luckily, the crafting recipes are written down for you, so you don't have to remember them. You just have to gather enough of the right ingredients. The Witcher 3 has an incredible storyline and tons of side quests. It easily rivals Skyrim in its ability to keep me so distracted with side quests that I forget there's a main storyline to do. I love being overleveled for main story missions. Just like Skyrim, there are portions of the map that are dangerous to explore unless your character is appropriately leveled up. Leveling up happens once Geralt has enough XP, and you gain experience points by completing quests and bounties. 
At higher levels, you can wear better armor, wield better weapons, and use skill points to unlock new and better skills and abilities in the skill tree. Note that it is necessary to complete portions of the main story to gain access to certain weapons and abilities. And there are areas of the world that are inaccessible until you go there on a quest or have the right credentials. This game is all about monster hunting, so let's talk about monsters. Including the expansions, there are nearly a hundred foes that are considered monsters in this game. As you progress through the game and encounter them, their information is added to the bestiary. The bestiary basically tells you what each monster is weak against so that you can mount a strong attack against them. Monsters are roughly classified into groups, just like we group similar animals in taxonomy. These groupings include cursed creatures, draconids, elementa, hybrids, insectoids, necrophages, ogrids, spectra, vampires, and relics. Unlike our system of taxonomy, these rough groupings are based on things like appearance, diet, or physical size. For instance, monsters that are attracted to and eat newly deceased people or animals are called necrophages. This word takes on its literal meaning because when you break it down, necro means death or dead tissue in Greek, and phage means to eat. This type of feeding, although it seems disgusting, is entirely natural and exists in real life too. In ecology, we simply refer to them as decomposers or recyclers. They are certain animals, insects, or microscopic organisms that feed on dead tissue and recycle the nutrients back into the ecosystem. Examples of real-life necrophages include vultures, flies, and other insects, bacteria, and fungi. Nutrient recycling is a very important ecosystem function because it puts resources and nutrients back into the soil for plants to use again. Decomposition releases carbon dioxide. In northern regions, there is a lot of frozen, non-decomposed plant and animal matter trapped in the soil. If carbon dioxide is causing climate change, and climate change is causing perennially frozen regions to thaw, all of this trapped organic matter will begin to decompose, releasing even more carbon dioxide and making the process even harder to stop. Back to monsters, though. Insectoids are a classification of monsters that resemble what most people would guess are large insects, hence their name. They mostly resemble spiders, scorpions, or centipedes, which ironically are not actually insects. In real life, these organisms are closely related to insects, though. Spiders, scorpions, centipedes, and insects are all in the phylum Arthropoda, which are animals with exoskeletons, segmented bodies, and paired, jointed appendages. Arthropoda is also the largest phylum in the animal kingdom. Something like 85% of all known species fall into this phylum. Insects, unlike the previously mentioned scorpions, spiders, and centipedes, have three major body segments, a head, a thorax, and an abdomen. Insects also have six legs, and a lot of them have wings. Spiders and scorpions have eight legs, and centipedes have, well, more than that. Cursed ones were once human, but have been cursed through either spells or disease. An example from this category of monsters is the werewolf. Draconids are pretty self-explanatory. They're all flying monsters that pretty much resemble dragons. Spectres are hard to describe generally, but they're basically angry spirits that are cursed somehow or died under horrific circumstances. What's particularly cool about the Witcher profession and this game is that each monster has its own ecology and behavior. A lot of the insectoid monsters live underground, draconids nest on top of mountains or towers, specters inhabit graveyards or towns. These habitats all make sense for the monster's diet and behavior. Monsters also have complex lifestyles. Some of them, like harpies and dragas and ghouls, seem social. And dragas even have different castes, like worker caste and soldier caste. 
This suggests a complex social structure, and in the real world, this is one of the characteristics present in a highly eusocial organism like ants and termites. Apart from the monsters, there are the usual innocuous beasts, plants, and animals in this game too. Some plants are crossovers from real life, but there are of course lots of fantasy versions too. There are about 65 harvestable plants in this game, and a few aggressive, non-monster enemies called beasts. Beasts consist of things like wolves, boars, wild dogs, and bears. Then there are completely harmless animals like deer, chickens, geese, cats, and pigs. Two of my favorite animations in this game are in Cats and Geese. When cats see Geralt, they will arch their backs and back away like a cat in that meme. This is actually mentioned in the book The Last Wish, that cats don't like Geralt. The other animation I like is when geese hold out their wings and run around. It's just so cute. Unfortunately, besides deer, wolves, and rabbits, there really aren't very many wild animals that are non-monsters roaming the countryside in this game. I suppose that's because they've probably all been eaten by monsters. I'll talk more about this in a bit. You have a horse in this game by default. Its name is Roach, and it's a very good horse. You can call your horse to you if you lose track of it, and it will reappear nearby and come running to you. This is really helpful if you have to get across a gorge or a river. You can hop down off your horse, run or swim across it, and then call your horse again, and be back on your way in no time. It's also really helpful if you fast travel somewhere but you left your horse behind. Controlling your horse is easy enough, the controls don't feel very clunky or frustrating, and I was playing on Nintendo Switch. One cool thing that I learned while playing this is that your horse will automatically follow paths and roads, so you don't always have to steer. If you've ever noticed anything weird in a video game, or it irked you that something science, technology, engineering, or math related wasn't depicted correctly, send me a message on Twitter at DahanJay and let me know. I want to hear about it. I was talking to DJ Malifant on Twitter this week, one of the producers of the Kill All Monsters podcast, and we were chatting about how monsters in fantasy are so destructive. How can something so disruptive be the norm? At least in the Witcher franchise, it's explained that these monsters are not endemic, meaning that they're not naturally found on the in-game world. Thus, their very presence is constantly disruptive to the natural ecosystem. These monsters may have found a way to survive and reproduce on that world, but they have certainly replaced natural occurring organisms in the process, either by outcompeting them for resources such as food or nesting spots, or by outright killing or eating them. This is what happens in the real world when invasive species are introduced into an area with no natural predators. They can spread far and wide, damaging the balance of the ecosystem and other organisms naturally found in that area. Thanks for the chat. I can't stress how much I'm enjoying this game. I love that Geralt is basically an ecologist slash monster hunter. He knows all the habits and traits of each of the monsters, and he uses deductive reasoning and observation to figure out which monster he's hunting. Because this game gives monsters a home in a habitat that makes sense for their behavior and diet, even if they might be introduced species, I give this game 5 silver swords out of 5. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is a horror-themed open-world action RPG where you play a guy that's just trying to make a living in a world ravaged by monsters, where people don't respect him but are always in need of someone with his skill set. I enjoyed its seemingly endless amount of side quests and constant item drop. It's got a minigame mechanic called Gwent, which will satisfy your collectionist itch if you've got one. 
Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening and download new episodes as they come out. You can also support the podcast on Patreon at Scientific Canada. Your support means that I can buy more open world and RPG games and keep making episodes about in-game ecology. Thanks so much for tuning in today and being a fan of the show. I'd love to hear what you think of the show on Twitter. Tweet me at J. That's D-E-H-A-A-N-J. Good game, everyone. Podcast art is by Lara LeBlanc, and theme music is called Rain Song by Brett Eagleston. You can hear more of his music at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com.